Hello everyone, Diana is still out enjoying some much-earned uh, family time, so Nicole Wood is joining the podcast today as our unofficial co-host. Nicole, welcome. Thanks, Brett. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure, and I actually meant to look up how far back you were on the first pod, first time you were on. It was... Was it pre-pandemic? Oh, well before then, I oh, think. So you know, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on to, to chat was, you know, what, what you were able to do with your business today, right? Modernizing coaching, and we'll get into that a little bit. But what I think is super interesting is the path you and your um, co-founder took, right? What I would consider mostly a freelancer contractor business, all the way to, you know, performance coaches that are big agency type models. And you kind of flipped that around. And so I thought it'd be super interesting to get your perspective on, you know, kind of the early days. I know you also work with a number of freelancers as, as part of the, the company now. So, so maybe for the audience, just give, you know, the, the 30 second or 60 second uh, overview of, of you and the company and we'll, we'll jump in. So I am the CEO and co-founder of Amalavita, as you mentioned, Brett, alongside my co-founder, Forum. Um, we are a leadership, career, life, and health coaching company. So we're based here in Chicago, but we have coaches all throughout the country that each specialize in their own niche areas of coaching. And we provide coaching both for individuals. So we have a B2C side of the business, um, largely around career transitions or personal goals. And then we have a corporate side of our business where Typically, high growth organizations bring us in to coach cohorts of their leaders. So very much a leadership focus on the B2B side. Um, and to your point, we got into it, leaving our jobs in corporate America, kind of going through our own coaching journeys, which brought us to this business. But I had the bigger business in mind, but didn't really know where to start. My co-founder was coming out of her coaching program. So the initial idea was she would coach people. I would try to build the business wrapped around it. And it still kind of looks like that today. She's our chief coaching officer. So she oversees all of our coaching staff and service delivery. And I really oversee the strategy, marketing, and operations for the business. Oh, that's it, huh? That's it. <laughs> yeah. No, and I think it's, I think, you know, my first takeaway was that you guys thought bigger, right? Because I know when I first left corporate America, the first time I was thinking, yeah, I can be a consultant and make some money, but I didn't really have the vision beyond that of how do I make this bigger and think bigger and drive towards things. And that you did, right? Because you were, I think you had the management consulting background and then a little bit of stint and say corporate America, but it was still a startup in corporate America to, to the coaching business. So maybe in the early days, what was, was, was that what your goal was, is to build or change, revolutionize the coaching industry, or was it a little bit smaller that, Hey, I just don't want to go back to corporate America. <laughs> I, it wasn't the, Hey, I want, don't want to go back to corporate America. That was a perk. And I will say one of my <laughs> favorite parts about being an entrepreneur is getting to build the business I would have wanted to work for. You know, you don't just get to build the product you want to see. You actually get to create a culture and an employer that you wish you had. So that's been a lot of fun. I think it was always a big goal in that I knew I wanted to build a large organization and make a big impact. For me, it actually wasn't even coaching. Coaching really is the mechanism by which I was achieving the goal and the vision I had for this company, which for me started with the career transition. So I was, as you pointed out, unhappy in my previous work roles, um, really just kind of got to that quarter life crisis, as they say, where I was like, am I really going to do this for the next 40 years? 
can work be enjoyed or is it just called work for a reason? And it wasn't until I was given a coach by my employer that I started to reflect on why I was unfulfilled, took a more, I guess, positive path toward finding um, something I did enjoy. And so for me, it was how do we activate people to realize that they have a lot more agency over their lives and their careers than they may even realize and give them an ally in the form of a coach to help them achieve that. So it wasn't even about revolutionizing the coaching industry. To me, it was helping these people live their best lives. Um, But coaching was the mechanism that we were able to achieve that. And I think, I mean, I was so, like I said, I was in my twenties. I was, I had, didn't have a lot to lose. I was pretty confident in the moment and so sold that this would be a success that I like, boom, quit my job and went for it. And then every single day since then, I've been terrified. about <laughs> it. Is it going to succeed? How do we make it succeed faster? Um, and so it's been definitely a ride. Yeah, it's not speaking for your your co-founder, but you guys have a, a shared vision of where you wanted this. Did that happen early before you pulled the plug on corporate careers and jumped in? Because I do think one of the, the areas for the freelance entrepreneur that we don't think about is it is okay, right, to partner, right? You may have not thought about it or even think about yourself as a co-founder, but you know the world we're moving into is much more of an ecosystem of specialists, and the more people that you know, right, there's more power in, in that type of uh type of a model. So did you guys sync up pretty quick in the early days on the vision or did it take a while to, to work out what you wanted to, to get to? We think pretty quickly. Um, and I think there was such a good alignment of sort of non-overlapping skill sets, like very aligned values, very aligned visions for what, how we wanted to help people. Um, and then the completely different skill sets and that you're right. She totally was like, I want to be a coach. And then I think got excited about the idea and the impact and the scale that we could reach based on what I had in mind. And so we aligned pretty quickly. I think the, the way we've gotten there and the way that we will continue to get there, we continue to separate and get back aligned and separate and get back aligned. So even from, is it B2B, B2C? What's the priority? Are we a tech-enabled company or a tech-first company? Like, Even though our ultimate goal is to help people love their lives through coaching, there's still so many question marks in that. And so I do think we had a big picture alignment, but we constantly have to stay in lockstep as things continue to evolve and as we you know, are opportunistic along the way. Yeah. I mean, I think a little friction never hurts, right? It's good to have kind yeah. of different op, you know, views on things as long as you still end up work, you know, fighting in the same direction, right? So, I mean, was there an exit strategy in mind? Is this something, hey, I just want to build and run for the rest of my life? Or is this one of those things that, hey, we'll see? <laughs> <laughs> no, we. But, I mean, we're pretty clear that we would like to exit at some point. We didn't have a really finite timeline around that. Um, and I think going back to your point around how you view yourself and like which path to growth you take. I think because we've chosen not to go down the venture route, um, we're still bootstrapped six years later. People interpret that as lack of ambition. And I, we have a huge vision. Like we still want to be a large company. It's just, there are things that we're unwilling to kind of sacrifice in the path to that growth. And so we know we would like to exit. We know we would like to exit in a, 
way that feels like it's significant enough for the time and risk and effort that we've put in over the years, but we don't have like a, it has to be an X amount of time for Y dollars, the end. I mean, you've been a factor in us making that decision because I would say every couple years we're like, okay, we feel like we've got this figured out. Is it time to really put fuel on the fire? And we just keep coming back to what you said, which is like, if we don't need to, let's keep going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's awesome. And the other thing I really like about your story, because again, I think this you're building the business of the future, right? Because the majority, more than the majority of your your team are contractors or freelancers that you've brought on. So I'd love for you to just kind of talk about, you've seen probably the good and the bad, right? Yeah. So our business, we do have full-time employees that are more on the sales marketing operations side of the business, but all of our coaches are contractors. Um, I wish I could say it was purely strategic at the start. It was more out of necessity because we didn't have the funds or the risk tolerance to bring people on full-time. So we started and actually, as we learned more, talked to more coaches, we found that this model was beneficial for both sides. Most people that get into coaching, get into coaching because they love helping people. They have such a great skill set as a coach, not because they really wanted to be an entrepreneur. And so when we first started, we were almost one of the only shops that had a model like ours where we would bring on coaches, take care of all the admin, business development, marketing, et cetera, and coaches could just coach. I think it's really important for, I'll use our coaches, but I would say in general, for them to find the right business model that works for them and culture. And so when we're bringing on coaches, being trained through an accredited organization is table stakes for us, being a really high quality coach. So before we even talk to people, we review their applications, we review recorded coaching session. Having the skill set is kind of baseline. There's the do they fit within this model that we're building and where we're headed and do we have aligned goals? And so typically before we even have like an interview, we have more of a business conversation, which is like, why are you getting into this? What are you looking to achieve in working with Amalavita? And is that what we can provide? Because there's so many different models in this space, everything from the you're a full-time coach here, salaried employee to more the kind of marketplace side where it's like, we'll just feed you the business, but how and where and why you deliver it is like your process um, completely up to you. We kind of sit somewhere in the middle where there's consistent Amalavita processes and methodologies, but how much or little they take on where they do the work is up to them. So they own their business in, in that capacity, but we have a really tight team-oriented culture. That's part of what our clients love is that when they work with us, they might have one person as their primary coach, but they can do celebrity sessions with other coaches. So if that's not what you're looking for, if you're like, I just want business, great. That's fine. That's This maybe isn't the place for you. Uh, that's interesting. I think there's some some great points for folks thinking about or that are currently contracting, right? Is It's not like, hey, do I just want to work with these three or four types or define who you want to work with. And what mm-hmm. I hadn't really thought about until you mentioned is even from you know a model like you've created, there's different models. So yeah, exactly. going eyes wide open and who you want to work, that there's different opportunities for you to work. And like I said, I think not just in coaching, but I think we're going to see this across. Obviously, we've got that in writing right now. You got it in creative. You got some branding. But I think we're going to see like um, CRM and operations folks that are going to become specialists in these things. And it, you really have to think about where you want to plug in. And is this where you want to spend your time? Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Because it trickles down into like the expectations that that organization has for you, where you're spending your time, the types of clients you're going to get. Um, we're really focused because we have a, a membership-based coaching model on long-term relationships with our clients. And so a lot of investment goes into to that, whereas a lot of the more marketplace ones are more that transactional. What can you achieve in one session that this client might hire you for? So it's definitely going to shape the nature of the work that you do just based on kind of the business model of that um, overarching organization and where they're investing. And though, so even maybe a step deeper with some of your more successful coaches, because I think you mentioned off air that, you know, they really are in charge of their business and they're not treating mm -hmm. themselves as a contractor. So maybe dig into a little bit. Is that just how they manage their time or their expectations or doing? We have different, um, t I almost hate to call them tiers because it's not hierarchical, but sort of groupings of our coaches from our core coaches who they might just say, I want 15 clients at a time. I have this one really focused area of expertise. When we have this type of client, that's me. And I'm pretty hands off outside of that. And that's fine. If that's what they want to do, then that's kind of the expectations and goals for that level of coach. We have different levels of coach from our growth coaches to our ambassadors where they get compensated in different ways. So if they're really looking to build their brand and scale, we'll pay them to do blog posts and webinars, um, a lot of that other marketing stuff. And so the ones who, even though they are contractors, treat it and think like business owners, um, because realistically, they still own their practice within Ama La Vida and who are raising their hand for opportunities or um, really vocal with our sales team around like, nope, don't send me these people, or I'm really great with these people. Or if you hear this word, this is my type of client. The people who are more savvy about that, it's, it's tricky because we have a lot of process. We want consistent experience, but the ones who don't let that limit them and can speak up for what works best for them as a coach. Those are the people who we find like hit their income goals super, super quickly um, and have that really long retaining book of business because they end up with the exact right clients for them. Interesting. And since you started this, have you seen it kind of a change in sophistication of the contractors? Because this is, you said, five, six years now. And so when you first started hiring, or maybe you guys have probably gotten better with your process of who you identify and you you want to bring on to, to support the brand? I think definitely the latter. Like we've worked with um, and had interest from really great coaches all along. I think we've gotten clearer about some of those business conversations that, you know, what, it's not just for the coach. It took us a while to figure out who's the right person and what are their goals if they're going to be successful here. Um, I think we've gotten a lot further along in hiring for skill sets outside of coaching. So again, like that being like, they need to have that, that's table stakes, but what other experience do they have that they can bring? Because we find our best coaches are the ones who move really skillfully from pure coaching, exploratory questioning into giving advice every now and then offering up stories, offering up just wisdom from their experience. And so I think hiring for those skill sets and attitude and culture um, have been huge and then training them up on whatever other gaps that there might be. So it's kind of like where we've shifted priorities also in addition to that. And then as we think about onboarding and training, focusing on some of this stuff that helps them grow as their own 
kind of business owner versus just the pure coaching or pure process stuff. We actually think about that. How do you have conversations about maybe some of our downgrade options if you feel one of your clients is kind of heading to the point where they might not be a fit for two or four sessions a month anymore? So really having them think that way and aligning their goals with the business's goals, it's continued to help them evolve also. Excellent. Yeah, that's fantastic. And so just even thinking about from a recruiting standpoint, where do you, where do you find coaches? Are they coming to you? Or are you reaching out to them? Or so if I'm a coach and I, I see you, I know on your website, you've got a process that yeah I can apply, but are you outreaching into coaches or is it hundred percent inbound at this point? It's been almost hundred percent inbound, um, which we're lucky and that we have that level of interest. And I think it goes back to what we were saying earlier, where, I mean, these coach training programs, there's hundreds, if not thousands of them, they're cranking out these coaches consistently because there's so much interest in the space. And there are so few options for coaches who don't want to do, become a business owner themselves or do all the marketing, et cetera. And so we get a ton of interest. I would say in addition to that referrals from our coaches and then partnering up with some of the kind of priority training organizations. So for example, um, many of our coaches are from Northwestern's master's and learning and organizational change. So we're regularly promoting with, with them or with IPEC or uh, some of the others that are the more prominent training organizations. We try to keep those close ties and say, Hey, this is an option as you're thinking about yeah, that's awesome. what's next. Awesome. And so even taking you a step back when you started the business, cause I think, you mentioned before we hit record that the the core of your business is, you know, late 20s to early 40s. Was that the target you set out for or how maybe because we always talk about, hey, find your ideal client. How did you guys decide and then, def, you know, define who that was going to be for your for the business? Forum and I both were management consultants who burned out and found coaching through our career transition. We thought we were going to coach a ton of management consultants who were burned out going through a career (laughs) transition um, because we saw the need. But what's funny is just because there's a need doesn't mean there's a want. And it took us a little while to realize that the people who were really wanting for what we do and really seeking it out on their own were different from what we initially anticipated. So I would say demographically, not too dissimilar from where we started, those kind of early to mid stage career transitioners has really been our bread and butter. We've expanded into a lot of other areas like health and wellness, um, leadership, et cetera, but it's really become more psychographic than demographic outside of that. So it's people who are lifelong learners, people who invest in well-being. So there's a lot more likelihood that someone who, um, a teacher, we get a ton. So people who have other fields where they really thought they were going to do one thing. And then if they realize that was no longer bringing them joy and fulfillment, what's next and have that kind of learning, they value learning and ongoing development, then that's a much more likely person than someone who just works a hundred hours a week. Yeah, that makes sense. Anything surprise you with the folks that are coming in? I mean, I'm trying to think back to my early 20s. It's a little while ago now. One, this did, I don't think this even existed. And I think it would have been super yeah. helpful to help prioritize. I mean, are you seeing a 
move towards more entrepreneurial, obviously probably more remote. I'm just kind of curious the general themes and why and what people are looking for these days. Maybe I'm too close to it that it's not surprising to me anymore. Like I would say initially to have a a lot of teachers, like that was not, we thought we were going to get accountants, lawyers, like people who had these quote unquote, you know, high power, white collar jobs, that that was going to be the person. Um, But when you think about it, it's really the people who either feel undervalued or are passionate about their work, but the environment in which that work is taking place is not valuing them. And so um, I think we've seen that a lot with the great resignation is it's not just about, do I like what I do? It's, do I like who I do it for? Do I like the way that it gets done. And I think that's what we're continuing to see is like employers have to be caring about that outside of kind of perks that they used to provide and just go, I care about you as a person. I'm going to be flexible and treat you like a adult and give you trust and respect. And that's what people are looking for more so than, you know, a fancy like bar at the office yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Oh, so even from a startup there, there may be looking for different things than totally. Yeah. You think it's on again, more curiosity from my part, you know, because yeah. in the early twenties, right. Is it reasonable that what these folks are looking for, right? Cause everybody was like, wow, the younger gender, they're entitled and they want X, Y, and Z. I'm mm-hmm. like, I really haven't found that. I'm sure there's a, a piece of that, but you know, I just, it's, I think you guys are going to be busy for a while because with the distributed (laughs) workforce and some companies making people come back. And I think everybody's realized commuting sucks. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. No matter what it is. So um, thank God for podcasts, though. It's the only thing that gets you through it. (laughs) Exactly. But there's only so many. (laughs) I don't think they are unreasonable. I think being a business owner, there's a level of practicality to everything that I think sometimes gets missed. So I think a lot of people point to the pandemic and they go, well, look, we all had to work remotely. And so, and it worked. Like we got it done. And they say, well, then that must be a model that can be successful full stop. And I don't think that's true. I think we took an established workforce and picked them up and put them at home. And I think there's, it's totally different when it's a brand new 22-year-old first job out of college that's going to lose a lot by not being in proximity to conversations that are happening or just grabbed and pulled into stuff. And so I think it's not always ideal to be 100% remote in every role. Um, personally, I right. think it's possible, but I think it takes so much more intentionality around setting up an infrastructure that thinks about those things and gives moments of connection and helps people learn and grow if you're choosing to not have the in-person component. Right. No, I think that's a, that's a great point because I was thinking about, you know, with all the freelancers, right? Because a lot of you know, what I see is the, you know, late, same, same age group, late, late twenties through forties that spend a number of years in corporate, develop some skill sets and just don't want to work for a company anymore. So they're trying to figure out how do we, we make this work. And to yeah. your point, if you're just coming out of college, you don't have any experience. Yet. How are you right. going to develop that skill set if, if you don't practice? So I think there's going to be a, a way to start to do some of that remote and we're going to have to figure it out, I think, because I, mm-hmm. the full-time in office is going to be 
a thing of the past, I think, or at least be very intentional about who you're recruiting, right? If, if you yeah. want people in the office, recruit only people that are hundred percent want to, want to be there. So I don't know how they find ways like in early days of onboarding heavier towards in-person. And once they're established, they can go fully remote or, you know, the hybrid model works well, or, you know, continuing to rely on certain things because it's not even just the experience level. It's the formation of teams. Like it's different taking a team that knew each other physically in person and then dispersing them versus building teams completely remotely as well. So being intentional about when and where you do travel or how you build those connections, it's just, it's not impossible. It's just harder. It takes more thought and people who, who care enough to do that. To do it right, yeah. Because the analogy I use all the time, which is starting to to come true, I think, is more like the you know major movie production, right? A bigger motion picture that you know you're bringing in the hair and makeup, the stunt people, the script, the film. Like everybody's kind of their own little entity come together for twelve to eighteen months to work on this project together. Then everybody goes their own ways, and maybe they come back. But to your point, start to build teams because they work well together. But I think the, the the organizations that figure out that sooner rather than later will be the ones that are successful. They're, but your point, I think there's always going to be a core that needs to be a part of it. But I do think we're going to head to more of that movie production type of thing as, and you guys are kind of on the edge of it now, right? Um, and that's an interesting analogy. I hadn't thought about it like that, but I like that. And I think it does start even with a mindset shift in that direction for organizations where, I mean, I still know people who are, so hurt and frustrated when employees leave. And it's like, if you're going into it with the mentality of this is an 18 month project, we're all coming together to accomplish something. And where you go next in your life is great. And I'll sure our paths will cross again. I think even just having that mentality will help organizations get there and employers get there to still treat people respectfully um, and invest in them to maximize whatever that 18 month movie is that they're creating. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting. I know I still have a bunch more topics for you. We have to have you come back for part two because, (laughs) um, because I do want to get, you touched on mindset and I think wellness, I think there's so many things, especially as, you know, as an entrepreneur, um, I'd love to get your, your take on how you balance everything, right? Being a mom, you got family, you're starting a new business. You know, maybe we can, let's end with that. I'd love to get your perspective on how you, how you balance everything. I don't. Are you still learning it? (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) Some days and weeks are better than others. Um, I think, I think about life in terms of it's made up of seasons and in some seasons I'm more I mean, I'm always a mom and I'm always a business owner and I'm always this, but I'm okay with knowing right now is a season where my daughter's really young and getting older every day. And that means I'm going to work less and that's the nature of it. And we're probably not going to achieve goals as quickly as we would have. And I'm not bringing the intent, like I'm just not bringing the same level of intensity as I was prior and that's okay. And it's helping me actually grow as a business owner in different ways. And then, you know, there were seasons where I was, been a really great friend. This is not one of them, (laughs) you know, (laughs) and I think I'm okay with that. And I think as long as you communicate that and the people around me have the same kind of approach, which isn't always the case, then there's that level of trust and forgiveness, knowing that whatever season that person's in is fine. And I think it's the same thing 
when I look at my team and there's so many people in different seasons of their lives and, and like, that's okay. As long as we're still here building that same movie together and have the same goals and expectations, um, the day-to-day is going to shift. Yeah. I love that analogy seasons. It's so true. Right. I mean, my, my girls are now youngest ones, a sophomore in college. So I've got all sorts of time to work on my business that, that I didn't before but yeah, yeah i think and i think you're bringing the right mindset not that you need me to tell you that but <laughs> right it is a balance i mean I, the more i hear well i got to work 18 hours a day in my business well i mean one you're probably not going to be successful you may achieve some milestone but the rest of your life is going to be out of balance and out of whack and you've got to find and that's one of the things business on your own is to to control some of that time so i think more people need to hear that versus yeah. the hustle 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 for sure. And it's, again, going back to like, we've been intentional about, okay, let's say we go the VC route, or we put this other number out there that we want to achieve. Like, what does that mean for us as human beings? And is that something that we're willing to do? And the answer is no. Like, we're a company that's built around the notion of loving your life. If if something that we're going to achieve is going to make us sacrifice in all these other ways, it's not worth it. And so we constantly say like, if we're not doing it, then what the hell is this all for? So (laughs) it's important that those things don't feel like two separate decisions. Like we're human beings. It's one thing like, and one decision here impacts over here. And so we have to constantly be weighing, not just what's the right or most, I would say, quickest answer for the business. Um, It might still be the right thing long-term, but is that today or can we still get there? But maybe it takes three years instead of one. Okay, great. What does that give us in the meantime? And is that a worth it trade-off? Yeah, makes sense. And especially with your brand, right? If if your coaches and in the folks that you're, you know, ultimately your customers don't believe you're living the life that <laughs> you're totally. preaching and teaching them, then it's going to be a disconnect. So again, I think the brand yeah. needs to live what what you're preaching. So yeah, I firmly believe clients can tell, like the way that it feels inside our walls, it doesn't stay within our walls. They can tell, um, and. I think that's great because I think there's a lot of clients that came to us because they believe in our culture commandments as an organization, or they love just the environment that we've created here and what we value. And so I think it can be a positive thing or it can be a negative thing. If you're not walking the walk, if you're not treating your employees that way, your clients will feel that and they're not going to be here very long or they're not even going to come. Right. Or you're not going to get the right people and that's going to make it unhappy for everybody. So awesome. Well, I think that's a, a perfect way to end this. And Nicole, thank you so much for uh, for joining me today to step in. We'll have you back once Diane's back, or Diana's back, because I'm sure she would have that. had a ton of questions for you as well. So appreciate it. it. Um, thank you. Like I said, we'll, we'll make it the third time the charm before too long. Love but it. before I let you go, if, if more folks want to learn about you and the company, what's the best place to track you down? You can find our website at alvcoaching.com and then on all the socials at alvcoaching. Very consistent. And Nicole, yes. you're active on LinkedIn. So if anybody's out there, I right, am. reach out. Yes. All right. We'll put in the show notes as well and uh, appreciate it. Thank you.